Oh, hey, Steve. Oh, hey, Mike. Well, what's wrong, buddy? Well, I, I just got this new water bottle, but it just looks so plain. Well, have I got the store for you. Introducing the Wild Edible World Podcast Merch Store. Wowie wow! It's the merch store where you can get all of your favorite podcasts merch for all your decorating purposes. How do I find that? Go to wildediblewordpod.shopify.com or go to any of our Instagram and media accounts and view the link in the bio. Wowie wow! Welcome to another thrilling episode of the Wild Edible World Podcast. Another fantastic one in the books for you guys today. I'm just one of your hosts, Michael. And I am Steve. Oregon is in the house. Yeah. We've uh, yeah, we've <laughs> we've been existing on the West Coast tonight. Yeah. And heck yeah. to bring us further into that and further into the brine, uh, we've got Laurel from uh, Oregon on the show. She is a forest ecologist and a professional forager out in Oregon. You can find her online at Laurel Morell. And thank you so much, Laurel, for joining us. Thanks, it's great to be here. Welcome to the West Coast. Oh gosh, it's so good to be here. It is... Uh, wow, look at those trees. Look, look at the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes, there's the ocean. You can smell it. Oh, I yes, I can. I very much can. That sweet salt air. <laughs> sweet salt. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, Laurel, I've known you for a. I guess we met last year at the Midwest Wild Harvest Festival, but we've been following each other for a little bit longer than that. And uh, you've always really inspired me with a lot of the, uh, you know, the thoroughness of the education that you provide for free, like on platforms like Instagram. Not to mention the absolute beauty of the, uh, you know, just your skill in photography. Honestly, you take wonderful photos. You create beautiful plates and beautiful food. Um, so, I, yeah, I just really respect and admire you. And I'm really happy to talk to you today a little bit about you as a forager. And we kind of want to get into seaweed, too, because I don't know nothing about seaweed. Yeah, teach us. We don't got any seas around these parts. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to talk to you too about seaweed. And I know we mentioned this a little bit ago, Michael, but I think it'd be great to have the whole foraging community come out here and do a little seaweed taste testing in person someday. Oh my gosh. I will pack a bag right now. We <laughs> you're yes, absolutely. Yeah. We that we're considering this an official invite, okay? One hundred percent. You're <laughs> always welcome. Awesome. Okay, well I'll, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> Um, so how long have you, can you say you think you've been foraging? Is it something that was in your family that you've been doing your whole life or what? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Appalachia, southwestern Pennsylvania, close to West Virginia. And foraging for morels was kind of just the culture, a part of the culture there. Morels and ramps, uh, which are both coming up right now. And so it's always been in the background of my life, but I, I would say I didn't really get like super into it and didn't take a deep dive into it until college. 
um, when I met a naturalist, I uh, was at the University of Vermont in Burlington, Vermont, and I attended some of his classes and ended up like becoming his little protege. <laughs> um, and that was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. So yeah, it's always been in the background, but I kind of became obsessed with it in the past decade. What do you think was that, that trigger, that switch that went off that made you say, hey, I really like going to find my stuff outdoors? Yeah, so I was always into spending a lot of time outdoors. I've always been a birder um, and just, you know, spent a lot of time looking up at the trees and listening. And I think uh, foraging and paying attention to plants and looking down offered a different perspective of the forest and allowed me to just like really connect in a deeper, different way, which was exciting to me because I started to learn all the birds and become comfortable with the birds and was like, all right, what's next, you know? So that was the next step in uh, just becoming inspired and wowed by the outdoors in the forest. That's so fun. I feel like, uh, yeah, what's the gateway? Uh, is is bo- is foraging a gateway to birding or is it the other way around? Because I know a lot of people that that's, a, that's kind of a similar story where it's like, yeah, I'm out there for the birds or uh, herping, honestly, like just looking for turtles and lizards and stuff. And then you just kind of start to notice the things around you. Um, and a conversation we actually had earlier today was that, um, you know, people that spend their time outside doing other things anyway are very fast learners to uh, plants and foraging because, in, in my opinion, it's because we're kind of passively absorbing all of those plants and all that information we're built to kind of remember that and recognize different patterns and that's all happening kind of uh sub uh sub mentally whatever that <laughs> subconsciously <laughs> yeah sub mentally sub brainedly um and uh yeah so i think that's 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 really awesome that there you know there's always that kind of flow in between these interests and that it's always about kind of just like integrating further and further into nature in a more complete way yeah yeah, and I actually feel like it could go both ways between something like birds and mushrooms. But for for me, I you know I don't know if you've heard of warbler neck, but warblers are teeny birds that um, you know they're way up in the tree canopies, the treetops, and so your neck starts to hurt if you're spending a lot of time looking at them. So it was kind of funny to then get into mushrooms and be like, okay, now I can even out my neck pain by looking up and down. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so what's what's your favorite mushroom? Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody you ask is like, oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, um, some people know. Some people know. Yeah, I know mine. So, okay, well, I am one of those people that doesn't know, I guess, because I am <laughs> just forever being inspired by what I'm learning about next. And so, um, of course, all the edible ones are fun, but I really like the weird, tiny, bizarre ones. And um, I was just doing field work in Southern Oregon, and there were incense cedar trees there, uh, which I don't have where I live in Oregon, and so, because uh, I'm farther north. And so there were these teeny little orange cups that were fruiting everywhere off of the needle litter. And, you know, just, it's, it's still kind of wintry here, and there's just these bright orange cups all over, all over the place, and they became <laughs> my favorite mushroom for the day. Just like the cutest um, mushroom. But then, you know, I found some morels yesterday, and so then that was my favorite mushroom <laughs> yesterday, so. <laughs> I love it when that happens. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of a, another common denominator between us foragers, too, is that, like, you know, it, we're, we're very seasonally focused, very in the now, super zen, and... Uh, 
you know, it's always about what did I get today? Well, that's my favorite because it was delicious. Yeah. And my favorite tomorrow is going to be what I get tomorrow because that's going to be awesome, too. Uh, so I really, yeah. I really uh, appreciate that perspective. Yeah, it helps uh, be present. And um, I might not be as present in other aspects of my life as I am in mushrooms, but it's definitely a good life lesson. <laughs> You and me both, sister. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll sign. I'll sign that petition for sure. So, can you remember like the first the first thing that uh, you ever ate and you know knew was you know didn't come from the grocery store or something? Something your parents showed you or anything? Yeah, it was definitely ramps. Um, so Ooh. I had heard a lot about a lot of different things, you know, from college and from growing up, but I never felt super confident in going out myself and and eating anything, but ramps was the first thing that I found myself and felt confident eating on my own because it, you know, it smells like onions and garlic. So it was a uh, kind of a, a safe, uh, sure bet there. And when I found them, I definitely, I squealed. I was by myself in the woods, just kind of <laughs> jumping up and down, doing a happy dance. And it's, yeah, that's, I would say the first memory at least that I have. That's wonderful. That's a great memory. <laughs> I freaking love ramps. So, okay, so let's move on to a little bit about, um, well, I guess let's talk about your classes a little bit. So um, I see, so do you offer like like a little bit of a food experience as well? Is that where I think I've seen some of your spring rolls before? Yeah, um, I have done some wild foods cooking classes in the past. Um, I, they're, they're a little bit more intensive, and so I, I mostly stick to... Um, you know, walking in the woods and teaching people stuff, and we taste test on the way, and we'll, I'll do some cooking demos for sure, uh, and give people ideas of how to process and, and cook and eat these foods that isn't just like, you know, blanched nettles or something, some, like something going a little bit to the next step. Um, but yeah, I mostly have backed away from like the intensive wild foods cooking classes just because I like to go forage for myself sometimes and that really <laughs> led to me just always being uh, always foraging for classes and for other people and i had to kind of ground myself after that <laughs> awesome yeah i think that's I'm, fair yeah no i'm happy you were able to find that kind of equilibrium in yourself um <clears throat> so yeah. i mean i encourage everybody that's out in oregon to uh seek out some of laurel's classes um where can they find that on your is that it, like you have a link tree on your instagram or do you have a your own website yeah so i um the link tree on my Instagram is the most up-to-date. I am in the process of updating my website. I do have a website. It is lorelmorell.com, and in the nearish future, it will be updated. But um, no matter what the, stat, the status of my website is, the link tree is always going to be the most up-to-date. Awesome. Well, I can assure everybody that you're going to have as much fun taking these classes as we are already having <laughs> just with this short conversation. Yeah, um, honestly, just cruising your so cool. cruising your Instagram was is a is an absolute treat. Yeah, your your content's great. Your, well, your thank you. Plants are wild, but your content is cultivated. Hey yo. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's special. I appreciate that. Um, so, let's uh, let's bring the focus in a little bit on some uh, seaweed. Um, I know yes. that's kind of a very broad term that's like saying, wh well, whatever, it's, you know, there's tons of different kinds of seaweed and all that, but um, definitely like to talk a little bit about, you said intertidal foraging as well, right? So that's what you would call it. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, seaweed is great and they're, you know, that's what most people 
are aware of, but there are other plants and invertebrates, there's all kinds of things to forage that uh, don't fall under the seaweed category. So I like to say, see vegetables or intertidal foraging so that you can include things like pickleweed and goose tongue and not limit it to the seaweeds. Oh, pickleweed. That's uh, one of your most recent pictures, isn't it? With those, like, they're like little, yeah. like little as tiny asparagus stalks or something. Yeah, people call them sea asparagus and sea beans and all kinds of stuff. But uh, yeah, they're just starting to come up. It's a, it's a perennial plant, but it it um, it dies back in the winter. So this the, the pickleweed is just coming up right now. So I was getting excited about it and trying to get other people excited about it too. <laughs> it looks great. It looks delicious. It's super good. Yeah, and you can get it um, off of Forge Market. Um, mm. You can get it shipped to you. I don't know how they package it, but it's really just like this delightful, salty, crunchy snack. So highly recommend. What's your preferred method of preparation for that? I prefer eating it raw um, in like a cold salad form because I think that preserves the crunchiness of it um, and the saltiness. People do pickle it. Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of ruins you. You lose some of the ocean ocean brineness, and you lose a bit of the texture, the crunchiness. So, um, if you just kind of drizzle some really good uh, olive oil and lemon juice and chili flake, uh, you can do different renditions of that and make like a kind of like a seaweed salad, but um, you know, a little a little bit different, a little saltier, a little crunchier. It sounds so good. Yeah, that's it, and it looks really cool too. What do you think is when's the best time to harvest it? Is it whenever it's small like this, or can not necessarily the best time, but uh, can you harvest this throughout the entire year till it dies back? Yeah, you can. So it's just coming up now, where it's May first now. Um, I would say it's going to be real good, like mid to late May through the early fall. And um, the cool thing about pickleweed is that. It's this really bright, pretty green color, but um, it will start to turn red as it accumulates a lot of salt and it's self-killing itself. And that is when it starts to turn bitter. So it's kind of just telling you when you shouldn't harvest it anymore. And if it's still green, it's going to be delicious. And as soon as it starts to turn red, you know, uh, you know, it's too late. Find another patch. That's so cool. That's a wonderful piece of advice. What's wrong, buddy? Well, I, I just got this new water bottle, but you just look so plain. Well, have I got the store for you. Introducing the Wild Edible World Podcast Merch Store. Wowie wow! It's the merch store where you can get all of your favorite podcasts merch for all your decorating purposes. How do I find that? Go to wildedibleworldpod.shopify.com or go to any of our Instagram and media accounts and view the link in the bio. Wowie, wow! Sigh. What's wrong, buddy? Well, I just realized this mushroom supplement I bought 
isn't actually made with mushrooms. It's made with something called myceliated grain? Myceliated grain? Oh, no! I'm sorry to tell you, buddy, but myceliated grain is a sure sign of a poor-quality mushroom supplement. Well, dang. I wanted mushrooms, not brown rice. What should I do? Well, you should support a small-batch producer from right here in the Midwest. Kiwino Apothecary. Kiwino Apothecary? Tell me more. Kiwino Apothecary specializes in high-quality mushroom extracts from Michigan, and they always use real mushrooms, never, never, never myceliated grain. That sounds like exactly what I've been looking for. Where can I order? Well, you can find them at kiwinawapothecary.etsy.com. That's K-E-W-E-E-N-A-W apothecary.etsy.com. Be sure to read their many excellent reviews. Thanks, buddy. I don't want no low-quality mushroom products from a factory. I want Kiwino Apothecary. Wowie, wow! Thank you. Yeah. So what's some of the other stuff that you foraged most recently in the intertidal zone? Yeah, so things are just starting to come up. Um, so there's not a ton of vegetables like beach peas and and sea rocket will be up maybe in a month or so. But right now it's kind of all about the seaweed. Uh, the seaweed season here started in March, and the seaweeds are just starting to get really good. And uh, we just had some super low tides the past, I think it was last weekend, maybe two weekends ago, um, which means that you can go farther out and get a, a high, like a more diversity of seaweed species. Um, cause some don't grow, you know, some grow at the subtidal zone, some grow up on the beach. So whenever there's a super low tides, you can get all of them. That sounds like a fun day to me. Oh yeah. You gotta, you gotta wear your, your waders are expected to just get really wet and cold, <laughs> but it's, it's super fun. I think I saw some uh, interesting, uh, like, uh, they, they look like, uh, I want to call them cockles, but I know they're, they're like almost like a cross between a, like a clam and a barnacle or something. Yeah, I wonder. So um, there's limpets, which. Limpets, that's uh, what it was. Yeah. Yeah, limpets are these little invertebrates that they're, they're kind of like snails in a way. And you can just pick them off and eat them raw, but. Um, you know, there are some snails that look similar and have weird, like, brain-eating worms in them and whatnot. So Ooh. I tend to, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, tend to them. keep just the, the invertebrate-eating <laughs> to things that I'm, like, 500% sure about. Sure. But, uh, but limpets are super tasty. I know people eat them raw, like, as a ceviche. Huh. I mean, I would try it. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, again, it's just one of those things that. So I've got some friends who live on the coast, and I would trust their, I would trust them more than I would trust myself with something like limpets. But there's so much cool stuff to eat on the rocks out there, like the gooseneck barnacles and acorn barnacles, all kinds of weird stuff. So does all seaweed kind of taste pretty similar, or does it really have quite a huge diversity in flavor? There is definitely diversity in flavor. I would say that no matter what seaweed you're going to eat, there's going to be a salty ocean brine. Sure. You know, notes, notes of ocean. Um, but <laughs> there, so, for example, dulse is a type of seaweed that if you cook it in a certain way, it can taste like bacon. Um, there are some that are more lemony. There's some, so there, there are subtle differences, but there's you're always going to get that kind of, that salty brine, so... What does bull kelp taste like? Bull kelp is really delicious, and I think it's best pickled. So, again, it's like a crunchy, salty snack. From the <laughs> so I guess there's some similarity between sure. 
different species. And I think when you cook it in different methods, that's when it brings out different notes. So I love pickling the stipes and mm -hmm. doing a lot of lemon juice and chili. And so then you're, get, you're getting like a sweet and salty flavor to it, um, which to me is the best combo. So I just, I mean, I always yeah, see it I might, on shows. I might have to mail you guys some. Yeah, please do that. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always see it on shows <laughs> like Alone or, or whatever. And it the texture of it just looks appealing as heck. Yeah. You know? It is if yeah. you get it really fresh. Yeah. I've definitely accidentally taken one that was not fresh and it tasted like socks, like old Ooh. dirty socks. It was very mm. awful. But when, when it's fresh, it's lovely. Well, luckily we have an expert like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you do you really make... Uh, yeah, I, I trust your... Uh, your perception of quality because I received some cottonwood balm from you a couple of years ago. Uh, wait, last year. Some, I think it was in oh, yeah. November or something. Uh, late, late, late last year. And I'll tell you what, that stuff smells amazing. It works wonders. Um, you may you use it for just kind of like surface skin issues, like inflammation sure. or like scrapes or anything like that. You can kind of put it on their chapped lips. I kind of, sometimes I'll put it on my lips. Nice. Um, really awesome stuff so thank you again for sending me that i have two of those jars she sent me two so i gotta mm. give you one steve i've been uh, i've been it. hiding yeah. them from you yeah and i just so the the cottonwood bud collecting season just uh just kind of concluded so i have probably two gallons of buds and oil infusing right now so there, there will be many more jars oh wow I, think I saw that i think i saw that on one of your posts yeah <laughs> Um, so what are some of the other, uh, like, what's your, what do you think you think is the ta tastiest seaweed or the sea vegetable, excuse me? Yeah. Um, so there's definitely, I definitely have favorites there um, for different uses. So I, so sea lettuce, uh, Ulva is the genus name. There's several species. I think it's the best for beginners trying to get into seaweed because it's just a mild, um, you know, bright green, really appealing looking and tasting seaweed. And it's up higher towards the beach so you it's easier to harvest um and it's a good one to make uh like seaweed salad out of so all of the seaweed out here in the pacific northwest is edible but not all of them are you know palatable and delicious sure. uh sea lettuce is one of those ones that you can eat raw and it tastes really good um so highly recommend that one and there is one called sea sacks which I think are super fun. They're these, they, look, they look like, some people call them dead man's fingers, and they're literally just sacks um, that, that cling to rocks that are full of water so they don't dry out. And I love cutting them and filling them with cheese, like ricotta, and Stop. making like a seaweed mozzarella stick. It's so oh, fun. Oh, God. shit. That's awesome. <laughs> I know I know the seaweed you're talking about. Yeah, and... I just saw it on, on, your, on your Instagram. <laughs> but during our research. Yeah. yeah during research. It's super fun. And like bringing that to a potluck or something would be hilarious, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine that for sure. Yeah, but yeah, then there's um, another fun one is feather boa kelp, and it literally looks like a feather boa. You could wear it around your neck if you what? wanted, but it has these little air pods that keep it floating that look like olives, and you can pickle them, and they're kind of like a fun, um, you know, they have a different, they snap where they have a different texture, but it's like, a oh, olives of the sea. So I like the, just the funky, the fun stuff. You are blowing my mind Seriously. right now. Sea olives? <laughs> you don't even have to brine them? I know. You can just eat them right <laughs> from the sea. <laughs> Pre-brined. So cool. I've, I've become obsessed 
I uh, yeah, I'm upset. I, I I already uh, love like olives, salty profile. I'm a sour salty guy. Heck yeah. So <laughs> the idea that this yeah. stuff just comes pre-salted, <laughs> pre-pickled yeah. or whatever. We like... gotta we gotta get you some some sea sacks and some sea olives. Woo! Gotta get me some sea sack, baby. <laughs> Great. Now he's gonna be sea sack oh, obsessed. My friend... My friend just did like a, you know, like a little fake pop-up dinner and she called them sacks of sea, you know, trying to be all fancy <laughs> Trying to fancy him up funny. a little bit. Satchels uh-huh. of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I can't come up with any. I'm not going to workshop that at all right now. I got nothing good. Oh, we'll leave man. it there. But yeah, I don't know. There's another one. There's one more that popped into my brain. Let's it's do uh, it. mucus is the, is the genus, and it's called bladderwrack. There's a few species Ooh. there. Oh, I've heard of bladderwrack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's used like in a lot of um, cosmetics and like body lotions because it's got this gelatinous uh, compound in it that you know, kind of like um, gooey to the touch. But those tend to that gelatinous compound tends to be good for skin, so people put it in soaps and whatnot. But I love it raw and pickled because that so gel- something happens when you pickle it and that gelatinous substance gets kind of crunchier and sweet and it's Whoa. weird and I don't know like if you eat it raw next to pickled it's you would never guess so bladder rack I think super cool grows close to the beach so it's easy to forage and you can like I said make anything from soap to pickles out of it that is incredible uh, so it, yeah. it, is it is it green still? I'm, I'm imagining like red. Is it a different color? It is green. It's actually a dark green that kind of like ombres into a lighter green. Hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's so it's part of the, the green seaweed group. Okay, cool. There's wait, there's different colored seaweed group. Like that's actually how they're grouped. Yeah, yeah. So um, seaweed is super diverse, and you know it's all marine algae. And there's green, they're, they're kind of broken up into different groups. So there's green, red, and brown. And brown is actually in its own kingdom because hmm. it's so genetically different. But they're all kind of lumped into this. I don't know. It reminds me of quaternarious mushrooms where yeah. it's kind of like a, a garbage. You know, if we don't know about it, we put it in the quaternarium. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> green, red, and brown are the three groups. Um, green is the most common brown is what all the kelps are in like bull kelp sure and red yeah red can actually be brown too it's it's kind of confusing but they try their best to categorize it (laughs) oh sure so it's just about like uh just the genetic study done on it so far they're not sure yeah they're they're i think figuring it out just like mushrooms where they're like oh wait brown is actually completely different than green and red and it shouldn't even be in the same kingdom so uh we're just you know fumbling along still wow that's gonna take me a minute to absorb i'm also super jealous <laughs> you don't even have to absorb it you can just eat the seaweed and everything's good it's all edible. <laughs> yeah that's, that's true good. that's yeah. a very good point. i like that perspective <laughs> no. i feel better yeah. now yeah okay all better <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so do you have any, um, like, uh, inspirations or people that you admire that you'd like to shout out that are in the, on the West Coast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, immediately, Alana Kiefer comes to mind. Her, um, her Instagram is Shifting Tides Northwest. 
she is actually the one that did the sacks of sea um, <laughs> recently, and she teaches seaweed classes. She's extremely knowledgeable about mussel and clam harvesting. You know, she, she'll eat limpets. All she's very good. So if you want to learn, um, you know, I, I I know enough, but she is like next level. So if you want to learn about seaweeds and foraging on the coast, look her up. She posts lots of good content. Um, and then, so Chef Cameron Dunlap is a chef in Portland at a restaurant called Morcella, and he does amazing things with seaweed. Um, I've eaten some just incredible, I don't even know what they would be called, but just some incredible seaweed dishes that um, were from seaweed harvested from the Oregon coast. So those are two people that I think are, are good folks to start with. Those are awesome uh, recommendations. Thank it, you so it, much. Is is Morcella pretty well known? I think it's. I think it is now. I think because I've heard it of it. So new. that it's like been around for a couple yeah. years, but it's yeah, it's definitely gaining steam. You know, like foraging is is gaining steam too, and he's doing really cool stuff. So he's doing some cool events that have gained some some momentum for sure. Um. So, would you have any events that are coming up? Uh, in the next, uh, in like, uh, in June or in June or July? Um, so I have a event actually with these two people I just mentioned. No <laughs> way. Kawinky dink. <laughs> yeah. It's May 14th, so it's in a couple weeks. So, you know, you kind of have to already be in Oregon to, unless you want to hop on a last-minute flight. But it's going to be on the Oregon coast, and it's an all-day event where we're doing workshops, and then Chef Cam Dunlap is cooking a five-course meal out of all the things we foraged from the inner tidal and it's gonna just be super epic that sounds um, super and then, epic. yeah i will schedule some some classes in june july but they are not announced yet so stay tuned sure yeah i know how that goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> well good luck with this season uh it seems like it's starting off pretty well for you are you having a good time yeah, no, this has been a great season. It's, um, you know, I think a lot of places in the country, the spring or the winter dragged on, and now we're finally getting into the warmer spring weather, and it's super exciting. Just getting slingshotted out of my seasonal depression. Yes, exactly. One day of sun does wonders. Oh, man, you're telling me. Well, here's <laughs> to many, many more days in the sun, and hopefully, hopefully in the future uh, we can have some days in the sun together. And uh, eat all sorts of nibbles together. Yeah, that sounds lovely. I'm glad you think so. Thanks for spending your time with us, Laurel. It has been an absolute pleasure. I just want to remind everybody that they can follow you and find you online at Laurel Morel. That's L-O-R-E-L-L-E-M-O-R-E-L. -L -L -E -E and um, that's where you're going to be posting your classes. That's where you're going to be posting your events. Uh, that's yeah. where you post your... Freaking awesome photography so and really fun videos of all the all the foraging and the surf. And uh, thanks for you know being uh, very open with your education. Um, you know your your story highlights are last year whenever you're doing Forest Friday um, was some of the best uh, education I have received on trees <laughs> like ever. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so um, it really helped uh, affirm a lot of that stuff in the Pinus. Uh, with the pine trees and all these uh, different um, trees you went through last year. So I really appreciate that, and I don't think I ever told you that. So thank you, and thank you for all the work that you continue to do as well. You kick ass. It was a pleasure to meet you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate this. Thanks for having me on here.
Of course. Is there anything else you would like to add as a finishing note, or are you good? I think, you know, just eat more seaweed, and the world will be a better place. We're going to work on it. You heard it here, folks. Yeah, we're going to work on it. <laughs> All right, we look forward to talking to you again sometime, Laurel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.